right, good morning. Let's, uh, if you need to reload on coffee or um, assorted items of goodness, feel free to grab that really fast. We'll grab seats and we'll get started here. Um, there's a number of you guys that I've not got to sit and meet yet. My name is Scott Burns. I'm one of the pastors of the church here, and it's good to have you here for our brunch service. And I'm um, glad all of our kids are here. Uh, our talk time, a little bit is angled towards the kids. And then some of it's angled for all of us really old people in the room. Um, we do want to, I want to give a, a special welcome. Some of you guys don't know. So this is the crazy thing about Cross City Church. <sighs> Number one, I'm just so thankful for the grace, this moment of, of God giving us people who invented air conditioning. Cause this moment, I'm not feeling it. And I get hot mad. Okay, I'm just processing through it right now. Okay, all right. We have, our, our air conditioner thing didn't do so good last night. Okay, my back in. Okay. Far greater graces than air conditioning. And there will be air conditioning in heaven, I guarantee you. Um, Jesus is the light, and I think he will also be the air supply. Um, so our church, a funny thing about our church is that uh, um, we lose about a quarter of our church every year. People move. I just They move all the time. And so, um, and then we always gain like a few more in that exchange of stuff. And uh, that's become kind of like a... Uh, a joyful, painful reality of what God has done in us, but it's also the way God brings us to mission as people come through and go back out. And uh, so the Hobbs family are here today. And so you guys may not know Jay and Janelle, uh, but they're part of they're one of our pastoral families and had been for years. And so uh, it kind of struck me today when I just heard that William told Greg, who's an esteemed leader of our church, like, hey, the Hobbs are here. And he's like, the Hob who? I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's just crazy how we turn over. So... Greg, Jay, Jay, Greg, yeah. Um, anyway, there's, there's, I, I love, uh, they're staying with us tonight, uh, last night tonight, and it's just been a, a sweet joy. Love you guys to death, and so thankful for you guys, and your kids grew up incredibly fast. All right. Um, and there's a new man Hobbs on the scene, in case you haven't seen him. Where is he? All right, he's right there. We, we had not really met him before. Yeah, so. All right, guys, so, all right, here's, here's my talk today. Um, and, and kids... I'm going to talk to you guys for the first part here, okay? And, and, and my talk this morning is it's called The Sad Story of Demas the Crispy Shrimp. The Sad Story of Demas the Crispy Shrimp. I know, really kind of weird. But here's what happened. Do you guys know Mr. Loesch right there? Uh, okay, we're talking about him again. So, so Mr. Loesch, he's got billions of fish and shrimps at his house. He's just got tanks and tanks. It's amazing. It's like going to marine land. And uh, once upon a time, my good brother, Greg Loesch, gifted me a shrimp, because I have fish and shrimp in my office, if you've been there. And um, I had a little problem with uh, so much green algae is growing, and he goes, I've got a solution for you. And he goes, I've got this special shrimp. See, I have, other sh I have really pretty shrimps, but they're kind of lazy. They don't do a whole lot. But he said, I'm going to give you this special shrimp. It's called a mono shrimp. And a monster shrimp, they're kind of clear, and they come in, and they eat the algae, right? So he, he gifts me this special shrimp. We're going to call his name Demas, D-E-M-A-S. Just remember that name for later. You can ask your parents why we name him Demas. Okay, so Demas, the shrimp, is in there, and he's eating, he's eating algae all the time. It's a good time. He's, he's really active, swimming around the top, swimming around the top. And then one day, I can't find Demas. My shrimp is gone. I look up and down the thing, I can't find my shrimp. Then about two days later, I'm coming to my office, and I'm moving over a plant, and on the ground is Demas the Crispy Shrimp. 
See, he wasn't a crispy shrimp when he's living in the tank. But when Demas made a journey out of the tank and, like, jumped out of my tank somehow and landed on the bookshelf and walked, walked on the bookshelf past the plant and then fell on the ground and went across the carpet and was, like, going for the door, he eventually dried up, kind of changed an orangey color and became Demas the Dead Crispy Shrimp. Terribly sad story. Um, I, I, I could have soaked him in water, but it's too late. He won't come back because he's just a crispy shrimp. Okay, so that's my story of the sad story of Demas the Sad Crispy Shrimp. Now, I tell you that story today because it kind of reminds me of uh, something I see in a lot of my, my Christian friends, my God-lover friends. They do something that's really weird because, because Demas, he's a shrimp, right? Can anyone here tell me what do, where do shrimp breathe? What do they breathe? I hear water being said somewhere out there. Correct. Shrimp breathe water, right? They need water to breathe. So if I was the friend of Demas the shrimp, I think it's really important to get down and go, Demas, you're a shrimp, and you've got to breathe water. So you're in this tank. This tank isn't a prison. This tank is where good stuff is found, right? You can breathe, you get food. Stay in the water. Because, Demas, you're a shrimp. And if you jump out of the tank and get on my bookshelf, there's no water out there. And you're going to start going, <gasps> and you walk, you're going to start here, and your skin will get all crispy, and eventually you're going to dry up, and you become Demas the crispy dead shrimp. Okay? So if I cared about Demas, I need to teach Demas he's got to breathe water, stay in the tank. Okay? And this kind of reminds me of, of my friends, my friends that are God lovers, right? So when we think through who God is, remember that God made us, right? And we realize that everybody is born a self-lover, right? That's why we do self-lover things. We disobey God, we make him sad. But then, then God comes and says, you don't have to be a self-lover anymore. You can be a God-lover, right? And how do you become a God-lover? Does anybody here, can anyone tell me, how does a, how does a self-lover become a God-lover? Anyone remember that? All right. We'll catch you another day, right? You, you come to God and you say, God, I'm, I'm asking you, please change me from a self-lover into a God-lover because I know Jesus died on the cross to forgive sins. Jesus died on the cross to change us from God-lovers to self-lovers. So when we're a God-lover, one of the things that happens to us is that we become children of God. We become his sons and daughters, part of his family, right? We're the very, very family of God, and he loves his family so much. But in fact, here's a tricky thing. This building... Um, and these people, we call it a church, right? It's cross-city church. But what is a church? A church is really God's family. That's what a church really is. It's not just a service where we're sweating and eating some stuff and, and talking together. That's a church service. It's really important that we do that. But the church isn't the building. The church is the people, right? And, and the, the people are not just a group of friends, but the people are really brothers and really sisters because we have a new great father, that's what Jesus did. He forgave us and made us God lovers, where we are, have God as our Father. And so Jesus designs for us to be in his people, in his church. I'm not saying just to be in the room, but to be in this relationship with this big church family. So we're a church family. And God's designed for us to like live there and have relationships with people and for you to love the old people. So if you're little right now, okay, if you're under 10 years old, if you're 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, you can look all the way around you, and there's all these older people, right? You see them all around there, right? Those, those are our brothers and sisters, too, and God wants you to learn from them, and he wants you to love them and hang out with them and let them love you. 
buy you things, take care of you, give you cheat codes in life. Like they really want to be part of your family. So God's brought us together as family. And in that family, God has designed for us to experience tons of happiness and joy and help and health. That's what God has actually given us the family for. In, in the Bible, there's another way that he says family. He calls it a household. It's another word for family. So I'm going to read you one verse. And all you old people, this is your one verse too. This comes out of 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. He says, Paul says this, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things so that, so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, how you should act in God's family. So God is saying to Paul, I'm giving these letters so you can know how to think and act since you are part of God's family, since you're going to be with God's family. You need to know how to think about that. So God has made us a family. That's what Jesus has done. And he's put you, if you're a God lover, in the family and does it so that you will experience happiness and joy. So you'll get helped by all these older people who will help you understand things and they'll help correct you and they'll help go get food for you and they'll take you places and they'll care for you and they'll bring you joy. That's how kind Jesus is. And it's part of one of his kindnesses to give you joy in God's people. So that's why this morning we wanted you guys to sit with us, the old people, because they're your family, and we want you to be able to know them and love them, and we want them to love you too. So this is God's family, and it's something God has designed for us, and he's given it to you to be able to have joy as he cares for you. That's God's family, okay? And without God's family, you know what happens? You end up becoming a crispy Christian, not a crispy shrimp. You'll never be a shrimp, ever, ever, ever. But if you are a Christian, and if God has designed you to live in his family and have those relationships, but you're away from his family, you'll kind of dry. Your heart gets dry. Your heart gets crispy, right? And if you don't have good relationships with God's people, you're not getting the help from God's people that he wants you to have. So we want you to be able to have all the help from God's people and all that love from God's people so you don't end up being a crispy Christian, okay? So that's it. God's given us great help. It's a sad, sad story about Demas, the crispy shrimp. But it helps me remember how crispy we get in our hearts when we aren't being with God's people. God's people. So in our MC nights, you know when your parents have MC nights at their house, we go there? I would love for you to hang out with the old people sometimes. Ask them questions. Ask them questions about, where did you come from? Uh, what do you think about Jesus? How did you become a God lover? Um, what is God teaching you? Ask them those questions. They'll love it. They'll tell you all kinds of answers about it. And if they don't tell you answers, ask them more questions. All right? So this is God's family. We're so thankful you guys are part of God's family. And we're so thankful for the help that you guys are to us. Okay. Old people in the room. People over 11. Um, let me just notch this higher. Because it's just a simple message today. We're talking about God's family and crispy shrimp. Um, my heart has been so broken for years and years and years because one of the greatest tragedies and one of the most common tragedies is that people that are Christians or identify as Christians are not part of a local church family. And they are, they're okay when they hop out of the tank right away, but then they start getting weak and crispy and they start getting um, deprived, depraved of all the things that God's giving them, right? So I just want to give you some of the benefits that God's given you. So there's three things to think through, I would say simply, when you're thinking about God's family. Number one, God has made you that if you're his, right? You come to God, and God rolls to the family. Number two, God calls you to it. And number three, it's your benefit. There's all these benefits. So I just want to give you six bonuses, 
of being part of a local church family. Very simple. I'm not even going to read the text. I can allude to them. I can give them to you later on if you want. But, but six things that you benefit from while being part of a local church family. I'm not saying attending a service. I'm saying being part of a local church family. I'm not saying going to a building. I'm saying part of a local church family. And I'm not saying going to a big place that calls itself a church, but it's just an event or it's just an organization, but it's a really church family. Okay, so here's six things. Number one, John, 1 John chapter 3 tells us that living within God's people gives us demonstration that we really are spiritually alive. Because that's a big question, right? Sometimes you're so messed up as a follower of Jesus, though you're loved and forgiven by Christ, you look at your life, sometimes you go, am I even a believer? That's a really good question. In fact, if you don't ask yourself that question sometimes, my real question is, are you even looking at yourself, right? One of the great helps that God gives us for is, gives us in this is that he puts us in God's people. And as we love God's people, it demonstrates the fact that we actually are alive. And if we don't love God's people, there's grand warning. You're not alive. Something's really wrong, or you're not even a shrimp, if you know what I'm saying. Okay, so here's a couple texts. I'll just read it to you. 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. By this it is evident who are the children of God. You want to be one of those. And who are the children of the devil. You don't want to be one of those. Just simple in case it's your first Sunday here. You want to be a child of God. Don't want to be a child of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Brother. It's not human. Brother. A couple verses later. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. So benefit number one from being living in the local church family is it gives demonstration to you that you actually are alive. As you see yourself loving the brothers and sisters in Jesus. And conversely, is true as well. If we see ourselves not loving the brothers and sisters of Jesus, that shows us that something is deeply wrong at a fundamental level. Number two, you find care and protection there, right? God will give you care and protection for your heart, provide for you through God's people. Number three, you find truth and wisdom. The text that I read to the kids says, this is the household of God, the church, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. Where do you find the truth? You find the truth where it's God's people who go to his word and exist as God's people, and we find that truth there. So God's family will keep you from believing error, right? They're going to point you back to God's word again and again. Fourth, safety belt of accountability. Safety belt of accountability. None of us really like safety belts. They're kind of lame. You know, we, we don't wear them sometimes. So we buy that big sheepskin thing that goes over the strap here. None of us really like, like seatbelts, but they're there for safety when things go wrong. God has given his people, you and me, he's given us safety where he tells his people to chase us and pursue us when our hearts get wonky, right? When we start getting self-deceived, he sends us after each other. You know where that happens? That happens in the local church. You know where else that happens? It doesn't happen anywhere else. Like that system is designed to happen in the local church. So if we, re- we want to have spiritual seatbelts, We've got to be in God's local church for that. Fifth, joy and delight. Time and again in the New Testament talks about Paul saying, man, you guys are my joy and delight. And I tell you, and I'm not lying, like I know that firsthand. You guys are my joy and delight. You're my brothers and sisters. And give me so much incredible joy. I, I love it. Like last night, hang out the Hobbs. Man, such joy and delight just talking about whatever things we're talking about. Hanging out with Chris Gates the other day at First Watch, talking about stuff like true joy and delight. And you know what? As I watched him, I know he has true joy and delight in hanging out with me. There's a unique joy and delight God has designed for you, 
in the relationship of the local church with brothers and sisters that's not found elsewhere. Sixth benefit, investment in massive future reward and joy. Investment in massive future reward and joy. Six benefits that God has given to you through the local church family found there. So I want, I want to challenge you as old, crusty adults to think through a couple things. Okay, think through this. And I'd like, you, I'd like you to really consider, do you agree with me what I'm about to say? Okay, because I think it's so essential. What I'm, what I'm, what I'm going to angle at is this is so essential that for ourselves, we need to be convinced of this and have it locked in that, man, being a part of a local church family is a fundamental, foundational thing that has to be in my life all the time. I don't care where I move. I don't care where I go. I find God's people pronto. It's not a casual thing. I, gotta, I either got to be in it or find it. Those are the two acceptable positions in my heart, right? And with our young people that come to know Jesus, kids, but new people, our friends that come to know Jesus, one of the early moves we have to do is teach them about how essential it is for them to find God's family. Maybe it's our church, maybe it's some other one, but they've got to find God's family because in the West here, it's one of the most optional things for Christians, they think. Like, yeah, church is great. You ask them about the church, they'll tell you some place they attend, they'll tell you some place they're avoiding, they'll tell you about some place they're hurt by, but they're not going to tell you about a place that they're in people that they're in. So we need to help them understand like, hey, like you would sit down with my baby shrimp and go, hey, listen, you're a shrimp. You breathe water. With believers, hey, listen, you're a child of God. You breathe the spiritual air of God's spiritual family tangibly on the ground. You have to live there. So we have to teach that to them from an early age. And then number two, we have to help them know what to look for. So when they move to wherever, like, what are you looking for at church? we got to help them figure that out so that they don't go to some place that isn't actually seeing itself as spiritual family. Okay, so I'm going to push for this essential. I'm going to make a couple of statements. If you hate me afterwards, let's talk. Buy me coffee. Okay, number one, every Christian, by design, spiritually breathes the water of being in God's local church family. And a Christian not having that heart for the local church, being a part or seeking one, makes it impossible for them to be spiritually healthy and strong. It is impossible to be spiritually healthy and strong if you are not in or seeking a local church family. It is so high on the pecking order of God's design and his call and his command and so high in the blessings of God, you're not going to be healthy and strong. If you're a believer, it's not that. It becomes a gospel issue because a person who claims to follow Jesus is actively resisting Jesus king of the world, right? The one we said, okay, I want you to be my king. I want you to be my treasure. That's what the, the work of Jesus does. It brings me under the, the, the kingship and treasureship of Jesus. But now I'm going to resist him when he says, hey, I've got these things I really want you to pay attention to. I really, I, I, want, I want you, you are my family. I want you to live in my family. And we're like, yeah, I don't care. That becomes a gospel issue because we're withstanding the one who's supposedly the king. And number two, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, you're losing out on astounding benefits of care, truth, protection, assurance, joy, and future reward. It is to your absolute detriment to not be part of a local spiritual family. And you know, it's been said, I've heard many people say it, there's books written called, well, I love God, but I hate his church. That's kind of a, a favorite line, right? I love God, but I hate his church. And, you know, and while people, um, that statement may come from people who have experienced true heart encountered, at the hands of the people of God's church. To say something like that is like an adopted orphan who fancies a loving relationship with the father while loathing the children that he loves and lives with. There's no such thing as coming to God without coming to his people. 
So to say, I love God, but I hate his church, is like literally saying, I'm an adopted kid, and I love my dad, but I hate all the people he's stuck with. But you're not understanding how deeply he loves all those people he's apparently stuck with. Loves them so deeply. And you know what? They're just like you. Like they're, they're loved by Christ, and they're being changed and transformed. So there's, it's just a nonsense statement to say, I love God, hate the church. That doesn't work because God rolls with his family. He, God's not like a, a veal farmer that goes and gets you and like ca- catches you like, all right, I'm going to take this one. I'm going to stick this one in like its own little dog. Have you guys ever seen a veal farm here in Ohio? <laughs> it's like a row of dog houses where they take baby calves and they s- chain them to a dog house. And that they live by themselves in their own little doghouse. And to some degree, that's how we think that we're going to have a relationship with God. God's going to come to me. We're going to have there's something very special going on with God. And I don't have to deal with other people. That's not how the Father rolls. He is Father. We are brothers and sisters. He doesn't chain us up, make us a dog or a veal calf. So to be in his family is more than simply theoretically ethereal. Or when you read these one another's scriptures, love one another. It has to hit the ground. Just like James tells us, just as faith without works is dead, love for God's people without love for God's local people is dead. Like, you can't have a love for God's people. Oh, I love God's people as long as I have no connection or accountability to them. Um, I just sincerely love God's people. If you love God's people, you will love God's people. You'll find God's people. You will pour out love in God's people and experience love back from God's people. So to be to connected, to be connected to disconnected Christians is not that. Right, that's why God has ordained the local church. The local church family is where God's family is found by his design and by his will. So by, zi- by design and by will, are there Christians that are in local churches? Absolutely. They're just wandering. It's not, they're not home. They're not healthy. So they could be Christians and not a part, absolutely. But if they're going to understand God's heart and God's will and God's blessing for them, to understand he's designed for them to be at home amongst God's people somewhere. It's where. The local church, incidentally, is where the gifts of pastors and elders and church accountability and discipline and intergenerational relationships and doctrinal protection and where God will look for an account for every Christian, all that's found in local churches. Like, you can't have it unless you're there. So this is God's structure. Calls us to it. Being part of the local church family is essential for gospel living, vitality, and joy. So let's bring it back to Demas, my shrimp. Um, Just for kicks... If you, don't know, if, you don't know, if you don't know why I named my shrimp Demas, there's, there's your homework for you. If you don't know why I named my shrimp Demas, there's your homework for you for the day, okay? Um, so let's talk about Demas, my shrimp. Just as a shrimp must become aware that living in the water is essential to survival, lest he become crispy, uh, we also must know ourselves and help new Christians understand that being part of a local church family is essential for their spiritual health and joy not to mention the basic will and plan of God for their lives. It's so important for us to help people understand this in the early days. So if you're at work and you're helping people come to know Jesus, and you've, you've helped them understand the gospel, and you're connecting them into a relationship with God where they're learning how to read and pray, I'm saying like right after learning how to read and pray God's word comes the issue of like understanding what it means to be part of God's family, and that God's family always gets on the ground. It's called local church. And so to help them think that way and go, okay, I'm a shrimp. I breathe water. Okay, I'm a Christian. I'm, in a lo- I'm a local church person. I've always got to find it, be in it, or start it. That's, that's how I roll. I'm going to go that way. Most of us don't want to start this. Some of us do. So that's, I'm going to have a heart towards that to help them get that from the early onset and then help them find that 
And maybe it's with you. Great thing. Invite them into your church family. But maybe they live like in a faraway land like Marysville. Maybe you can help them find a local church. Um, Call us, uh, Andrew and I. We actually do this a lot. We spend a lot of time in our office researching local churches and towns for people. You know how to search things in your profession that I don't know how to. I probably know how to search for things you don't know how to. So let us, let us look and let us scrounge around and try to find, hey, an authentic group of people that really believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that really see themselves as worshipers, really are a spiritual family, putting the people of God not out of the world but back into the world on the mission of Jesus that more people might know him and love him as his family. So we can help you with that, all right? So the story of Demas, the crispy shrimp, it's a sad epic indeed. My tears are dried up now at this point. Uh, but man, it's nothing compared to the sadness, the true sadness that I have felt and I continue to feel as I encounter familyless Christians who are suffering spiritual malnutrition, loneliness, lack of input in their life, lack of affirmation of their gifts, their skills, uh, lacking maturity, lacking care. They don't have all these things. And then they just don't. When I sit with my friends that aren't part of a local church, a true local church, sometimes I'm not sure quite how to talk about it. When I have so much joy in my brothers and sisters, uh, and they have none of that, it's, I, I don't want to boast that I have that, but like I, their experience is so much different than my experience. I want them to taste that. Brothers and sisters, we want people who are Christians to excel in Jesus. And we want people who are not Christians to find Jesus. And you know what? To excel in Jesus. So, older adults, my question for you is this. Is the connection for you clear in your mind, the connection between God and his family in the local church? I would tell you that if you're going to have a relationship with God, you have to have a heart for the local church. Be committed to it in one or finding one because that is where God has called all of his children to flesh out their earthly lives within the context of local churches. Is that connection clear in your mind? And if not, I would love to talk about it. I'm not going to bully you about it. We can go into it. We can talk and think that through. But it's very important for our thinking. It's very important for the people that God has called you to speak to, to point them not only to Jesus, where they would be rescued and isolated in a celestial hamster ball away from all people having a supposedly a very isolated relationship with him, but that's not. He's calling them into his family because he is the father. Remember, remember back in 1 Corinthians, he says, step out from among them and be separate, and I will be a father to you, and you'll be sons and daughters to me. That is family language. Teach us how to pray, Jesus. All right, first word, first word out of the box in Greek, father. In Greek, that's the first word, father. He's not just God, not distant. He is our father. We are his family, and the family is to be lived out on the ground in local churches. So, brothers and sisters, that's kind of a simple message. But it's one that's so often misunderstood. Look around, you see it. See the orphaned children of God who don't have, who are malnourished, who are not loved, who are not cared for. Reach, have a heart for them. Reach out to them. Invite them. Invite them to another church. We'll help you with that. Have a heart for them. And then the, the outside the ring of that, the people that are around you that don't know Jesus at all, hope for them. Don't just hope that they're like switch to your team, become a Christian. Like when you see those people and you're praying for them, if you're not praying for them, I, figure out what God's put you there for, right? So, so as you're looking at those people and you're working around them and you know them and your aunts and your uncles, like when you're praying for them, pray big for them. Don't pray that they would just simply become a Christian. Like, pray that they would be transformed by the Lord, pulled into his family, gifted and equipped, filled with the Spirit, filled with joy that they're experiencing from God himself through his word and through prayer and through the relationships of the people on the ground. Pray big for them. 
Let's not have small hopes for the people of around us that don't have Jesus. So, brothers and sisters, is that clear to us, the connection between God and the local church? In your mind, is that clear? If it's not, let's talk. Let's think that through, because I tell you, it's absolutely essential. And one of the biggest reasons Christians are so joyless, so powerless, so disconnected, and so hurt in this world is because we're living like orphans needlessly in the world that the Father has given us. All right? So let me pray, and uh, we'll continue on with bacon, I guess. Yeah. So, Father, I, I just thank you with all my heart for your family on the ground. Um, I have all kinds of family I've never met there in the halls of heaven. I have all kinds of family on this world that I've not met, and then all of a sudden I have met them in Ethiopia and Siberia and different places, and right away, you know, we're, we're blood. It's amazing. And then all in our in local church that have been apart for years, Father, you so blessed uh, me and my family with our brothers and sisters, and just the joys and the benefits. Uh, it's a call of yours to be a part of a local church, Lord, but what outweighs the call often is the joy experience, the benefits that we have received from all this, Lord. It's really, we, we come because we love them, and they love us. So, Father, um, I pray that you'd make it clear in our minds the connectivity between you and your family and the local church. I pray that you would quicken our minds so that we might be able to believe that firmly so that wherever we go, we find your people, and we help catalyze your people, and we pour into them, and they pour into us. And that we would also be able to be clear in how we help people walk with you by finding also a local church and get into it. So uh, give us help as we think this through. Um, Give us honesty if we disagree. Um, Give us earnestness to actually seek your heart and mind because Jesus, you are truth. You are the way. You are the life. We seek your mind in these things, not our own. I just thank you for our church family here, for all the great and amazing things that you've done. We look forward to all the more great and amazing things you will do in our hearts and through us. So, Father, please pour out your love on us by giving us a great work of the Spirit amongst us today, this week, that we really would love you and that we really would love one another and the world that you've given us and that we would walk under the power of the Spirit, not by our own concepts of love and survival. So please, Father. Uh, Do your great work by your spirit. We love you in Christ's name. Amen.